afternoon, and again, God be praised to all of you. Thank God again. This is the day that the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We're so excited again to have all of you with us. A quick shout out to our virtual listeners in Washington, Kansas, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee, again, Texas, Ohio, California, family out there in California, uh, again, North and South Carolina, Florida, uh, Arkansas, Illinois, Chicago, uh, and then we come back here to the state itself. We got Portage, Ann Arbor, Battle Creek, Kalamazoo, Ypsilanti, uh, Pontiac, Detroit, Flint, Bay City, and Midland. And right here in the city, we've got some very consistent and faithful members. We say again, thank God for you. We got some members in the house on today. Again, glad to see all of you. Uh, look like some of you've been on vacation because you look just a, a tan or a shade darker. Uh, and that's all right. And I'm wrong getting a little sun uh, in, uh, fun in the sun. So, again, we thank God for all of you that are with us on the day. To all of you that are at home but you're tuned in, again, God be praised for you. Uh, we are so thankful to God again for the blessing uh, to be able to have you connected with us on today. Again, a couple of quick FYI, just so you're aware, the funeral service for Brother uh, Dennis uh, Brooks and his wife is going to be next Wednesday. Um, it's, it's a relative of theirs, so again, let's be praying for them. Uh, again, we continue to pray for Brother uh, Wayne Amos, who had a uh, celebration of life for one of his relatives uh, on last week. Uh, so again, we're praying for him. Don't forget, uh, Brother Anthony Dent's celebration of life is Friday. Um, I don't exactly know the details for that, but let's be praying for him. Uh, and to my knowledge, uh, beyond Sister Wanda Longmire and family, which is part of the Watkins family, the Thomas family, uh, I don't know of anybody else that has lost someone lately, but we are praying for you. Uh, again, keep us in the loop. Uh, if you're in the hospital, let us know that. I understand uh, Sister Drake was in the hospital uh, for a couple days, and so we're praying for her. Pray for the Drake family in general. Uh, again, continue to pray for all of our families as we continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Uh, at this point, again, we're moving forward. We just came out of a great celebration this weekend, having Mr. Maurice Ashley here. Uh, and again, we are so thankful uh, that, that, that God blessed us to be able to have him here with us. Our first time in the city of Saginaw, again, appreciate him and you for all your support. And uh, now we're ready to move forward, get ready for school. Let me put this plug in for everybody for Life Development Hour. If you've not filled out an application, we want you to do that. We need you in class so that you can grow. Notice the phrase life development, which means we're helping to develop your life. And it is part of our theme of love, grow, and serve. You cannot grow if you're not in a position to learn. So we need you here. And by the way, bring your children. So that means, again, uh, that we need you here and your children here in life development, okay? Teachers, uh, we're making ready to start uh, in September. Uh, we'll give you the actual start date, everyone. We'll give you that on Sunday. Um, but teachers, don't forget, we have a teacher's meeting at 10 a.m. this Saturday. 10 a.m. this Saturday, every teacher. Uh, or anybody that wants to be a teacher. Uh, we want you to make sure you are there so that we can make sure you've got the information. Okay? So those are things that's happening right now. Uh, if you're not praying right now, I know you've heard it, but let me say it anyway. There is a humongous teacher shortage across the country. Thousands of teachers 
have walked away from teaching. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. Now, that makes me think from, I always try to look at everything from every perspective, but that says a lot to me. Because what they're saying is that people that have a passion to teach and empower kids have lost that because when they go to the class, they're not able to do that. When a teacher's hair is pulled because the kid calls the teacher a lie, when the teacher is threatened by the kid, when they're cussed out by the kid, and then their parents come up there and say the same thing, you can see how teachers get burned out. Uh, and so I'm saying let's pray for our students because we know not. We know not what type of teacher they're going to be confronted with, when, and I don't mean the word confront, but they're going to be positioned with when they get back to school. By the same token, pray for the schools. Um, we do plan to lift our children in prayer. Uh, it'll be not this upcoming Sunday, but the following Sunday. That gives us a chance to get our kids ready to come back. But we want to pray over our children as a church. Um, and then the thing that I'm asking the church to do, if you're good in math, if you're good in science, if you're good in geography, if you're good in grammar, um, if you're good in any of the above, and by good, I mean you know how to do the stuff. What I want to do is start preparation now to position us so that our children, if they struggle, we've got somebody they can immediately go to. So if that's your if that's your piece of cake, if something you do well, we will then start positioning ourselves to do a study center so that if our kids have issues, then they can show up here and our people can help them. All right. Now, I was good at math 25 years ago. All right. I just want to recognize I was good at science 25 years ago. All right. So I don't understand the phrases and things they use today, but some of you may know that and if that's your cup of tea we want you to be able to help us with our children excel okay so those are some of the things again we're grateful to all of you for being with us but Raz how you doing you doing all right all right all right that's what I'm talking about all right oh so so now we're looking at this piece again um, and if you got your outline I think it's actually page 10 but for us it's page one uh, if you got the new outline it is page one all right um, and we did not do it. We gave it to you in advance, so you got it on credit, which means that before you leave, you have to pay for it. Um, and for the mere price of $39.95, it's hot off the press. Uh, nope, no, we ain't putting in no layaways. You know, you already got credit when you picked it up, so you got to pay for it before you leave. All right, yeah, we take charge cards. Yeah, we take those. Yeah. All right. All right, so the question that we want to ask today, uh, Dean York, and again, we're flanked by two of our foremost theologians just coming back from Switzerland and the Dominican Republic uh, and a person of Deacon James R. York and uh, 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 Reverend Christopher Tatum. Again, we're glad to have both of you with us today. We've got Reverend Cameron in the Doug Pen as well as uh, we've got uh, Reverend, uh, not Reverend, uh, but yeah, Reverend Rasco. Uh, waiting just as well. He's he an undercover preacher. Y'all do know that, don't you? All right. So we got him waiting in the, in the wings just as well. Um, and I know at any given moment, we can utilize any of you to help us with this. So again, we're just grateful for all of you. The subject today that we want to pick up on is why some believers experience more spiritual warfare, warfare than others. I think that's a very um, 
uh, a very pointed topic and one that needs to be talked about because, you know, there is this perception, and I could be wrong, and y'all can help me with this, Sis Magari. There's this perception that the holier I am, the less I'm going to be attacked. And I want to let you know the only person you fooling is your own self. All right. What you have to understand, Sis Campbell, is the more you are entangled in your relationship with God and the more you are focused on the purpose, the power and the plan of God, the more you are a target for Satan. All right. And, and so I want to make sure you understand um, don't believe that because you go, you've been in church 35 years and you can speak in tongues and you know the Bible and you've been teaching for 20 years and all that. Don't think you're not going to be attacked. See, let me help you understand. Um, when, and I'll give you just a very generic example, uh, Sis Williams. When we were out there in the park on Saturday, there were people there, Deacon York, from all around the city. And the reason why they were there was they not only want to play a grandmaster in chess, but they also want to say, I beat him. That makes sense? And what Satan wants to do to God is say, look, Sister Simmons, I know she's been in the church. She didn't sing in the choir. She's been on the usher board. She drove the church van, served in the kitchen, and, and did all that stuff. But look at it down there now. She's drinking. You do know that Satan is, Sis Bell, Satan is the accuser, Brother Parham, of the brethren. Satan loves to go to God and point out the flaws and the people that claim to be the most faithful. Now, I'm going to show you that in Scripture because I think you need to see it in just a minute. Uh, go to Job. Go to, go to Job uh, chapter number 1, verses 6 through 12. And Dean York, I'll have you just kind of help us with that piece there. Um, you know, or I'll, I'll have Chris, one or two of y'all. Y'all can help us with it. I think Deacon um, uh, Roscoe will put it on the screen for us. But I think it's imperative for you to see uh, what Satan's angle is. Job chapter number one uh, and verse number six. Go ahead, Dean York, if you can. Okay. Now, it should be up here too, Dean York. You want to look up here. Okay. Uh, Job, uh, first chapter six, verse. Now, there was a day when the Son of God came to president themselves before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Satan came also along with them. Watch this now. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro mm -hmm. in the earth, mm -hmm. and from walking up and down. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Amen. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and assureth evil. Mm -hmm. Watch this now. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Though Job fear God, but not. For not, yep. Yeah. Hast thou made a hinge around him mm. and about his house mm. and about all that? Yes, ever side mm -hmm. that has blessed the work of his hand mm -hmm. and his substance and an increase in the land. All right, let's put the kickstand down right there because we just said a whole mouthful. Now, wa now, watch what happens now. How did God, I want you to hear this, and this is why I want you to shout, 
uh, Sister Meekin, I want you to shout because I want you to know that God brags on you to Satan. I've said this before, so I'm not saying that I haven't said it. The reason why I want you to shout is because you need to understand, first of all, that Satan has access to God. All right, we know that because here he is right now, even though he's been thrown down to the earth. The Bible says one day came with the angelic beings came and Satan came also. And God brought up the conversation because, see, Satan ain't dumb enough to not, Satan ain't smart enough to do that. God brought the conversation up. Has thou considered my servant Job? Number one, there is none like him. Y'all saw that, right? He said, there's not, there's not one like him. He says, um, he's one that is shoot, that one that walks away from evil. God defines him. And this is how, says Williams, you can tell that Satan, uh, back it up, uh, Deacon Roscoe, I think to verse 9 for a second. This is how I want you to know that Satan, um, go, go back verse number 8. This is how I want you to see that Satan um, is doing something. Now watch this now. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered thy servant Job? There's none like him on earth, a perfect and upright man, one that assured, uh, feared God and assured evil. And watch what Satan says in verse 9. Watch it. Does Job fear God for nothing? Now watch what he says in the next verse. Here's verse 10. Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, about all that he have on every side? You know, you didn't bless the works of his hands. His substance is increasing. Now how would Satan know that if he wasn't watching? Amen. That makes sense to you? How would Satan know that everything he had was blessed if he ain't been investigating them? I'm saying the same thing about you, okay? Just because you may not have any, any rain clouds in your life don't mean that Satan ain't planning a thunderstorm for you. All right? Now, I want you to look at this now. He looked at, look, Satan looked at every inch of his life, Brother Parham. He said, look, you didn't place a hedge around him. And you didn't place a hedge around his house, which means his wife and his whole family. And then he says, and about everything they have on every side. That meant everything that, that he had, you know, even those around him was blessed. And then he says, and you didn't bless the works of his hands. Whatever he does, he has what we call the Midas touch. The Midas touch, Deacon York, where everything he touches turns to gold. All right? And whatever he put his hands on, it increases now, how would Satan know that if he wasn't looking? Because, see, that, that then tells me, Sis Watkins, that if Satan knows that my substance was increased, that meant Satan was trying to make it decrease. Right? If Satan knows that my house was blessed, that meant that Satan tried to attack my what? My house. All right. If Satan knew that there was a hedge around me, he would only knew that because he tried to do what? Attack me. Okay. So what am I trying to tell you? You know, at the end of the day, and God told you what type of person Job was. He was a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and walked away from evil. So if God classifies Job as the most righteous person on the earth and Satan attacked him, what make you think he ain't going to attack you? You don't have a chance. You on his hit list. All right? And, and so the point that we're trying to make, and, and watch this now. Go, uh, uh, Ding York, go, um, not Ding York, but, but Ding Roscoe, go to chapter 2. <clears throat> because notice between 1 and chapter 2 that Satan says, okay, God, 
But if you do something to him, he'll curse you. All right. So in chapter 2, verse number 1, I want you to see it again. Watch this. In, 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 in Job chapter 2, verse 1, this is what he says. He says, and on another day, all right? And there was another day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also to present himself before the Lord, which means that God holds him accountable. Now watch the next verse, because it goes a step further. God asked him a question in verse 2. He said, where you, man, where you coming from? I'm just going to put it in your language. And what did he say? I've been going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. So what is he doing? He's looking for a victim. All right? Now watch what he does. In the next verse, the Lord said to certain, a Satan again in verse 3, has thou considered my servant Job? Now God didn't already let Satan kill his family and do all that other stuff. And look what God says again. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God in the shoe of evil, and still he holded fast his integrity. God is bragging on, you took everything, but look at my boy. He's still holding his own. All right? You, you, look, look what he said. He said, and still he holds his integrity, although thou movest against him to destroy him without cause, without a reason. Even though you tried to take him or take his family, he's still holding fast. All right? So what am I saying to you? Don't think that just because he tried you once and you didn't fail, he ain't going to come again. Because the text started out saying, and another day. So, so at the end of the day, one of the things I want you to understand is that you are going to endure some suffering. I'll, I'll show you scriptures along that way just quickly. But I also want you to understand that not only, uh, not only does Satan attack, attack Job, but he also tried to get Paul as well. All right. Paul demonstrates that uh, that not only was his name known by God, but his name was known in hell. All right. Let me see if I can help you. Uh, uh, Acts uh, chapter 19, verse 13. I want you to see it. You said, Paul, see, when you're doing God's work, you become enemy number one. And if Satan doesn't like you, says Meekins, you've got to understand if Satan doesn't like you, his demons don't like you either. If Satan considers you a threat, then his demons consider you a threat. All right, so watch this verse. I, I want you to see it for yourself. Verse 13, 14, and 15. Watch this. Then certain of vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord mm. Jesus. Watch this now. Saying, we adjure you by Jesus who Paul preached. Hmm. And there were seven sons of one Seba, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered now and watch said, this now. Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are ye? Mm. Y'all see that? And, and what he's saying, says Campbell, is look, we know Paul. Now, this demon's talking. All right, now think about this now, says Blanche William. The demons, Paul is, so, Paul is so powerful doing the work of God that all the demons know him by his name. You see it right there in the text? They say, look, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who y'all? You know, the, the sons of Sceva and this chief priest was, you saw, let me show it to you again in the text. 
Watch this in verse, verse 13. Go back to verse 13 for a second. It said, then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists, which means that their job was to be an exorcist of evil spirits. Watch this now. Took upon themselves to call, call over all them which had evil spirits and how they call them in the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. They ain't even know Jesus. They ain't even know Jesus. They say, look, whoever Paul preaches, you know, we're we, we going to do what Paul did. And the Spirit said, and look, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who y'all? Now, that tells me a whole lot. They tell, first of all, they ain't had no power. All right? They had no power. Secondly, they, they were trying to mimic something they did not know how to do. So the Spirit said, look, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but who y'all? Like, are we supposed to be scared of you? No, we, we ain't scared. See, Paul, note they mentioned Paul by name. So the demons knew who Paul was. All right? Now, we, we know according to 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, the Bible teaches that Satan roams the earth looking for somebody he, ten, he can devour, which also goes along with this Job narrative where he said, I'm roaming to and fro, right? That makes sense? So we can come to the conclusion that the devil's main focus is to thwart, divert, distract, and disarm the servants of God who are promoting the rule of God on earth as it is in heaven. So guess what prayer Satan hates to have you pray? Go ahead, say it. Which are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't go too fast here. What else? So what are you asking for when you say that? You're asking for the kingdom of God to come where? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth. So we're saying whatever's in heaven, God, send it this way. Now let me tell you why Satan hate that. Because remember, Satan is the God of this earth. All right? And I'll show you that in Scripture just shortly. But he's considered the God of the airways. He's considered the God of this earth. You know, it's been referred to that in Scripture. And when you, when you ask for the kingdom to come, you're literally diverting and diminishing his kingdom for God's kingdom. When you say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth, I'm saying, God, bring joy in this direction. God, bring a peace that's a passive. Down here on Satan's, in Satan's vineyard, uh, if I could say Satan's vineyard, it's, it's chaos, right? It's drama. It's negativity. It's sadness. It's depression. It's everything that contradicts who God is. God is love, right? So when you say thy kingdom come, guess what you're going to bring down here? God's love, all right? So when we look at this now, this is different from, from Satan because remember now, as I said earlier, Satan is considered the God of this world. He runs the show. And you become a threat when you, when you tell God, God, bring heaven down here to earth. All right? So and, and you can see it. I put it in bold for you so you can see it for yourself. Uh, Satan gets upset when you invoke the will of God on earth. Why? Because you're in Satan's territory. And when you act in faith, again, God honors your faith by granting what you desire. All right? Now, this is why it seems as though a person found the will of God will sometimes uh, endure the most difficult tests, trials, 
and resistance as opposed to saints who are casual seekers of God. So, so, so think about this, Dean York, just on that statement by itself. What, what do you think that means? Pastor, I noticed that the more I try to line my life up with God's yes. word, you know, the more difficult than the Satan be trying to attack. Exactly. And you, both cars are messed up. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and other things around them messing up on my job. People acting crazy on the job. So I know Satan is trying to attack, you know. Yes, so, yes sir. You know, but I know they say that we have the power to defeat him. There you go. Rem Tim, come on, talk at me. I think you just got to know who he is and what he's all about. And um, it, it seems to me when things are really going good, he comes and he attacks whatever plan you might have. You mm -hmm. got to know who he is, that it's him that's attacking. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing now, and here's the thing, and you'll see it later in the narrative. One of the things that Satan does is Satan always attack you when you have a spiritual high. Now, I'm going to ask this question, Dean York, but we're just going to be talking, okay? Um, you know, some people, we're just talking now. We, just, we ain't talking about nobody, just talking about what we're talking about. Some people have tried cannabis, a weed. And all of a sudden, something happens that knocked them out of that high, right? They high as a kite, and something happens that's life-altering. All of a sudden, they, I didn't lost my high. That's what Satan does. When you're on a spiritual high, he will attack you and take you off that spiritual high to put you down in the valley. He does not want you to have such a pictorial image of heaven in, for so long that you start to savor it and desire it, so he tries to bring you back down. All right? Anybody have experienced that in your life? Everything going right, all of a sudden uh, the whole, you know, the whole chair fall from under you. It seemed like you went from happy to sad. You got a shock of your life. Okay, that's how Satan operates. He doesn't want you to get a whiff of how good heaven can be. So he has to attack you right after you've had some very historical moments or some spiritual highs to bring you back down to earth. What's on earth? Remember, this is his world. So what's in our earth? What, what's, what, what do you see in our everyday life? Chaos. What else? What else? Crime. 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 What else? What? Sadness. What else? Darkness. Poverty. We see lies being taken every day. We see theft every day. We see chaos and bedlam. That, see, that's, see, that's Satan's home. And he wants it. Because think about it. We think about this life all the time. All right. And, you know, when you think about it, it can make you get upset. It can put you down, can't it? When you focus on everyday TV and stuff like that, I'm going to show you that later on, because there's concrete proof that if you spend too much time on Facebook and on media, it can make you depressed. I'll show you that later on. But I, what I want you to see is Satan does, not, Satan does not want you to get so high up there and doing so well that you get so comfortable there that he cannot bring you down. All right. So for me, you know, one of the things that I've discovered, remember this now, he will focus the most on those who are the biggest threats to his desire, which is to do a power grab from God over the earth um, and those uh, who are the biggest threat to him. Now, can we go back? Anybody remember? Anybody remember uh, the first two people that was, um, uh, that was born? Anybody remember them? Anybody remember the first two people that was born? Who was it? Yeah, it wasn't Adam and Eve. They weren't born. 
<laughs> they were made, right? <laughs> okay, I just, just a quick question. I just wanted to see. All right, it was, it was a trick question. But remember this about Adam and Eve. What did Satan say to them? Has God really said? That if, see, what God don't want you to know is, if you really do do this, you're going to be just like him. And yet the Bible says that we were made in the image and likeness of God. All right? Remember God said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Watch this now. And have dominion over all the earth. So man was literally a God on earth. And that everything was subjected unto him. Notice this now. Satan was thrown down to the earth. But man had dominion. So what did Satan say? Okay, I'm going to trip this up. All right. I got to have his power. God gave man the power. What happened? He lost it. I mean, everything bowed to man. I mean, think about this now. He named everything. Right? Adam was so intellectual that Bible says God brought every creature to him and he named it. How did Adam ever come up with the name hyena? Yeah, you know how hyena be doing like, how did he ever come up with a name like that? Or giraffe? How did he come up with that name? Or lion? Or monkey? How did he ever, but that's his human. Remember now, when God breathed in us, Ruach, the breath of life, a part of God entered us just as well. So he had some of God's intellectual ability inside of him. All right? So here he is. He didn't lose everything. Why? Because he bit from the fruit. What was the fruit? Anybody know? Really? Where's that at in the scripture? <laughs> is that what it say? Y'all sure say apple? Because remember now, man will inject that, and man has done an excellent job of making us think that it was an apple, and it's not. All right? I, I just want to, since we're there, I just might as well look at it for a second so you can see God telling man uh, what he do. Okay, Genesis, um, and, and, and God said this to him. Um, Genesis chapter number 2, since we, we want to make sure we get that correct. Uh, in Genesis chapter number 2, uh, verse number 15, I want you to see it. You got it? Watch this. It says, and Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to do what? To dress it and keep it. Watch verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, because the woman ain't there yet. God told a man, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat us. Watch this, verse 17. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It didn't say an apple. He didn't say, but of the apple tree. Right? He didn't say of the fruit tree. He said of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. All right, y'all see that? Now watch this now. I, I need to jump over to chapter number three, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number one. Let's just look at that. I want you to see it. 
It says in verse number one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty, subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, now I need you to understand. I always ask this question. That's just sudden. It says, and the, and the serpent said to the woman, hold up. The serpent spoke to the woman, and the woman didn't think that was strange. She having a conversation with a snake. That makes sense? And the serpent said, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, I want to go back, because remember now, I told you God spoke to who and told them what they couldn't do. Brother Parham, who he spoke to who? He spoke to Adam and told Adam, don't eat. Now, watch this now. Because remember now, one of the things that Satan specializes in is confusion in terms of doctrine. Okay? And scripture. Watch this. Watch what Eve does. Next, next verse. The woman said, uh, the woman said to him in verse 2, it says, uh, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Watch verse 3. But God did say of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye, wait a minute, touch it. Where'd she get that from? Now, it's only two people on the earth. It's her and Adam. So how does she even know scripture if she wasn't there when God gave it to Adam? Which means somewhere along the road that Adam had to say, look, while they walking through the garden, you know, on a late night date, they probably just walk around. Adam say, see them two trees? We ain't supposed to be doing nothing with them. How she add that other part in there? That's what you call spiritualizing. And we do that, Dick Roscoe, we do that a whole lot. Lord say, ain't nothing wrong with drinking some wine. The Lord said, you know, we ain't got to turn the cheek all the time. Mm -mm, that's spiritualizing. So watch this now. She added her own piece to that and watch what Satan says to her. Next verse. Okay. Verse 4, he says, in verse 4, he says this. He says, you will not surely die. Verse 4. Okay. And the servant said unto the woman, you will not surely die. Watch this. I want you to see how he started tricking her. Watch this. For God doth know that in a day you eat thereof. Now, see, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say touch. He said eat. Then your eyes shall be open. Watch this, Rem Cameron. And you shall be as gods, knowing both good. What's the trickery in that verse? Sister Taylor, what's the trickery? It's that, it's that second line right before the very bottom. There's a trick word in there. It starts with a G. Okay. The word is God's. But what's the issue with the word? It's lowercase. You shall be as God's. Okay. Knowing good and evil. He tricked her, all right? He said, guys, with a little g. Now, you can unpack that and play with that all you want, but the bottom line is what he was telling her was, God know that if you eat of that, you're going to be exactly like him. And yet the scripture says that he made man in his own image 
and likeness and gave him dominion. Satan was in rare form right there. Because this is what we call the first measure of deception that ever happened in the world. He fooled her just like that. Now watch this now, because I want you to see Sister Blanche Williams now. I want you to see the progression of sin. <clears throat> watch the next verse. Verse 6. Because this is normally how sin progresses. Watch this. It says, and when the woman saw. Before you sin, you generally see. The woman saw and formed an opinion. What was her opinion? That the tree was what? Good for food, number one, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that it was what? It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. What did she do? Isn't that kind of how sin progresses? I mean, you don't steal something unless you like it. First, you got to see it. Then you got to, I, I think I need that. I like that. And then you start forming a way to get it. That's kind of progression of sin, right? All right? So, so the bottom line is she ate, and here's where I want to sign in some critics, because it says she ate and took some and gave it to her husband. So where was he at? He was right there. think his focus wasn't on the apple. I think he was looking at Adam. I mean at Eve. All right. I think he was looking at how fine Eve looked. He couldn't look at nothing else. Now, I could be wrong because I, there again, I, I'm, I'm dismissing the conversation. I believe he also heard the conversation. He had to have. Satan, uh, uh, Adam could have stopped all of this right then and there. He really could have. But he didn't. Okay. So the Bible says after they ate, the first thing that happened was it says, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. They've gone from a state of innocence. You get it. Satan wants again to cause you to sin so that he can run back before God and say, see, I told you, look at Brother Parham. Look, says Meekins down there just lying like all get up and go. I mean, all she had to do was tell the truth that it was a small fish. She tried to say it was a carp. All right? So, so at the end of the day, one of the things that happens, and you got to understand this, Satan is jealous of all of us. Dean York, he's jealous. Satan is jealous of all of us, Brother D, and he's been attempting to protect his control over the earth ram, the earthly ram uh, he stole through subverting Adam, uh, including its systems of government, commerce, media, arts, and everything. Everything that we look at is flawed, right? <clears throat> Can I help you with this? Watch this, is Blanche Williams. How is it that the meat market can sell meat that they know is contaminated and sell it for a profit and never be held accountable? How is it that GM can sell a car that they know got some flaws, and then all of a sudden, after 10,000 people died, they got a recall. The system is flawed, all right? How is it that the elite people can get the best, the best medicines and you can't get none at all? And I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. 
why is it that healthier food is more expensive than unhealthy food? <laughs> Don't you think that should be opposite? I mean, like, you know, unhealthy food, like you can get some fries for like $2, but try to eat some, a healthy something, and it's going to be $10. Right? That makes sense? The world is backwards. All right? So since, since Satan has been trying to do this, Deacon York, those who attempt to bring influence in the realm will most likely experience some of the highest levels of attack. When you're trying to do what's right, guess what? You're going to be attacked. And let me say this because it makes sense, and you can say amen to it if you want to. Sometimes you suffer the worst attack in church. Oh, yes, you do. All you want to do is start a ministry that's going to help kids. All right? And the people that work in the kids' ministry that you've never worked with because you knew will say, who she thinks she is? What, what, what's wrong with what we're doing? Like she's going to come in and do something we ain't never did before. That's an attack. Okay, all you want to do is do something that's going to impact lives. But you come under scrutiny and attack. All right, so one of the things that I, I, have, I have dealt with, and, and I know you have, is remember now, when you are an impact agent, Satan considers you a threat to his kingdom. Let me see if I can help you. And, and I'll show you two examples. And I'll have uh, Reverend Tatum read 2 Corinthians 13 because uh, I want you to see what was happening under the leadership of Paul during his time. All right, watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 down through verse number 7. Watch this. This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of the two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Mm -hmm. Keep going. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being, I write to those who have sinned before and to all that rest, that if I come again, watch this now, I will not spare. Mm. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking to me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are, we also are weak in him, mm -hmm. but we shall give with, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Mm -hmm. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Mm. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Watch this now. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. There it is. Keep going. Not that we should appear approved, but you should do what is honorable. Though we may seem disqualified, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Now, what Paul is saying then, that's saying, if I come, I'm going to bring some scunion on y'all because y'all ain't doing what's right. Now, if I come, I'm going to send my word. Uh, and Paul was bold like that. Okay? Paul could send a letter, and a letter would convict people. All right? So what he's telling me is, look, if I have to come, I'm coming, but I'm sending this letter now. Remember, in 1 Corinthians, he brought nothing but pain. 
He convicted, but he's trying to be a little bit softer in 2 Corinthians, all right? So he's warning him, look, if I come, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to bring the pain on y'all. I want to come, but if I come, y'all going to get it because I, I ain't scared of y'all. And, and I want you to understand, I'm not going to accept this unholy living, all right? So, so watch this now. Let me, let me read this next one, Deacon York, because I want you to kind of comment on it as I read it. Acts chapter 17, I want you to see. See, part of the issue was that Satan had a fear that when you did what was right, you turned the world upside down. Watch this text, verse number 1, Acts 17. It says, Now when they had passed through Am Am Amphipolis, uh, Amphipolis and Aponia, uh, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as was his custom, went into them for, uh, and for three Sabbaths, for three Sundays, uh, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and son. They converted. They got saved. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious, haters. Took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out. They got so ticked off at them that they went and caused chaos in the whole city. They didn't want to accept what Paul was preaching. All right, verse 7 says, um, well, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 6. But when they did not find Paul, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying, these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's what I want you to see. Look at, how he, look at how he classified Paul. These who have turned the world upside down have come to your city just as well. What is he saying, Brother Parham? That when the gospel is preached, the unadulterated gospel, what do you have the power to do? Turn the world what? Upside down. And, you know, it's amazing to me, says Ferris, says uh, Tatum, it's amazing to me that we don't recognize the power we have in Saginaw, Michigan. On the corner of 7th and James. Do you not know we can turn Saginaw upside down by simply going forth and preaching the unadulterated gospel? That's how much power we got. And so in this outline, you know, what I want you to see is they considered Paul a threat. So what did they try to do? They tried to take him out. That's what Satan is trying to do. You right. That's why Satan keeps saying, well, you know what's hot outside? You really don't want to go. You sluggish. You didn't work all day. You know you just finished eating. You probably need to take a nap. And what you do is you'll set your clock to go off at 6 so you can watch Bible study. But when that clock go off, you slap the clock and go back to sleep again. Satan's, at the end of the day, Satan's whole objective is to stop you from being everything God has given you the potential and the power to be. If we could only get every believer to embrace that and understand that, you would really reach your powerful potential. All right? So I believe this, and I could be wrong, and, and Dean Tatum and, I'm sorry, uh, Reverend Tatum and, and Dean York, you can chime in here because I think it's critical to understand, and it says that in the narrative, the reason why you're under severe attack 
and let me just survey the audience. Um, and you don't, this don't mean that this is where you are now. Have you ever been a, uh, have your finances ever been attacked? Have your family ever been attacked? All right. Have your relationships ever been attacked? Have members in your family, I mean your immediate family and your extended family, ever been under attack? Have you personally been attacked under your job or in your community? Why do you think that's so? Because you are a threat to who? Satan. If Satan can stop you from realizing your biblical potential, he has solved his problem. All right? All right, come on. Pastor, this piece is so profound because, you know, just dealing with life in general um, and studying his word and listening and talking among different people and ministers and listening to different ministries on television, um, they take this word and twist it a little bit. And if you're not careful and don't read the word yourself and get an understanding yourself, you will find yourself believing something someone else said. Mm -hmm. And it's something totally different than what God said. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I thank you for pointing this, this kind of thing out to us because you know, I like to listen to a lot of different prophets and, and preachers and ministers. I like to listen to their point of view. But I do understand, like you said about the apple, do you know how long I've been thinking that that was an apple, David? Hmm. I mean, without me looking at it myself, there it is. I thought it was an apple, that is. Now, you can't tell me it wasn't an apple. I mean, now you can. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody opened my eyes, but the devil kept my eyes closed all of this time. So what I was doing was telling other people, he gave him that apple. <laughs> I was lying and not even knowing I was lying. See? So I believe the Bible when it says in 2 Timothy, study. Yep, to show thyself approved. Know what you're talking about. Know what you're listening to. Know who you're listening to. And take that word and divide it and understand what it really says. You know, Deacon York, and you can help me with this here. There's a scripture, uh, second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 7, uh, 8, and 9. Because I want people to see that we're not just making this up. Here's the thing we got to understand. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, in Ephesians chapter number 4, it says, our I'm sorry, chapter 6. Verse 10 through 13, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so our fight is a spiritual fight. Mm. If, if, if I could see Satan, then I could probably whoop him. <laughs> and you probably could too. But Satan is a spirit being. And so the Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And the thing we've got to understand, and this is what Paul wants us to see is that when doors of opportunity are open for you to do spiritual things, you're going to come under, under attack by the adversary. All right? Go ahead, Dean York. Read that for us. So they can First Corinthians 16 to 7 says, For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. Watch this now. But I will tarry in Ephesus until the Pentecost, for a great and an effective door has opened to me. And there are many uh, adversaries. 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 Now, did you see that? 
Paul said, there's been a door open for me to do some phenomenal things, but I know that Satan is waiting for me. All right. Now, Satan can attack you real fast when you come up with a spiritual idea. I don't think that's God. I think you need to go back and pray over it. Now, nah, uh-uh. See, there again, remember now, when a door is open, Paul says, a great door uh, and effectual is open unto me. This door has never been open before, but I know when I walk through that door, I'm going to encounter what? Many adversaries. Okay? And so for us, I want you to see this. First Peter chapter 4, I'm saying this to you. All right? First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, and though some strange thing has happened to you. What is he saying right there? Why are you surprised you under attack? Did you forget last year you was attacked? Did you forget the year before you came under attack? Did you forget that all the times you've been under attack, what's been happening? You've been trying to do what? I've been trying to do right. And remember, Paul says, every time I desire to do good, what? Did you forget that? Every time I try to do something right, and, and look, and, and all y'all can say, man, it is, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but I've discovered that sometimes when God is opening doors in the church, I start having some issues in my personal life. I start facing things in my life with family members, with other things going on. When things are going well at home, sometimes I face adversaries here on the job. That's how he functions. What is his goal? To keep you off level. You got to learn how to fight no matter what the battle is and be consistent. You can't keep running. Uh, yeah, you go to another church. Well, you know, at least over there at that church, they speak in tongues and anoint. We do all that stuff too. But could the problem not necessarily be the church? Could it be you? See, you can go to that church all you want, and yeah, they're going to speak in tongues, and yeah, they're going to lay on hands, and some people are going to be slain in the spirit or laid out in the spirit. But if you live in a raggedy life, that ain't going to help you. You're going to be raggedy going over there. They're going to put some oil on a raggedy life. You're going to lay out raggedy, and you're going to get up raggedy. <laughs> right? I mean, for real. And so at the end of the day, the common did look. The Bible says in, in, in Psalm 84 and 11, the Lord God is a son and shield. He is grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that do what? Okay. So whether you at this church or that church, the promise is still yours. What's the key? Those who do what? Walk uprightly. See, I believe this, and I was telling Deacon York this earlier, and you can chime in, Deacon York and Rem Tatum. I believe one of the biggest, one of the biggest myths in the church is that God didn't, I asked God for this, but God didn't do it. I believe this, and I could be wrong. I believe the real reason is you did not obey God the way God told you to do what he told you to do. God's word cannot return void. So if, if I'm not getting it, then that means I need to do something over. And I believe that one of the reasons why, oh, let me ask you, anybody ever fix something? Anybody ever tried to fix something on your own without reading the instructions? Did you fix it? Okay, you missed a screw or something, right? What is that telling you? You didn't follow what? Right, okay. They didn't put all them screws in there because they ain't had nothing to do. All them screws belong somewhere. 
all right? So I'm a firm believer that when things aren't going the way the Bible says they are, it's because we have not read the instructions and followed them to a T. Because the Bible says don't just be a hearer, but be a what? There it is. All right? Come on, Daniel. Talk to me about that a little bit. Because I think at the end of the day, we need to understand that until we follow it to a T, we're not going to get the God results that God promises. Go ahead. Get back on what you said that um, that I must today take a good look at self. I must put the mirror right here, and I can't put the mirror nowhere else today. There you go. And, amen. So I know today that Satan is going to attack, but if I'm not lining up with the Word of God, that's why my life might be going wrong. There you go. Amen. There you go. Pastor, I believe you know sometimes the things that we ask for, God knows we don't really need. Um, I had a friend years ago that um, his name was Mike Hopgood. I know you remember Mike mm -hmm. Hopgood. Mm -hmm. We used to always talk about getting motorcycles. And, and we, all, we never had the money to get one. But finally one day he was able to get a motorcycle. And we just treasured that thing. Well, the Lord didn't give us a motorcycle because I really believe he thought we'd kill ourselves on. And unfortunately, I lost my friend because mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because he had a wreck. It was because someone else hit him. Mm. So the things that we ask for, we really need to think about what we're asking for. Do we really need what we're asking? There you go. Or is it just something that we want? Mm -hmm. Well, and part of the issue with that is, you know, at the end of the day, if we're not careful... If, if God permissibly allows it, God really wants to see, okay, are you going to make this a treasure or is this going to be second to me? Because sometimes our cars take, yeah, like on Sunday morning. You see some folks at the car wash coming out there rubbed when they should be getting ready for Sunday school? Huh? Or, or like tonight where, you know, okay, y'all got real quiet there. So, so I want you to, listen, don't ever think, that just because God is calling you to do something, it's going to be easy. Now, I put on that little outline. I know y'all can see it on, on Facebook. But what I want you to see, these were the disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and you can see, with the exception of Judas uh, Iscariot, you can see literally, and let me go a step further, and John, literally every one of these people were killed for the call. Now, just for the record, that's really not their picture. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that for real. That's really not their picture. But nonetheless, what I want you to understand is they were killed for what? Because they were men that Jesus gave the gospel to go where? To the very ends of the world. Remember over in Acts we said you're going to go to this place and this place and to the uttermost parts of the world? Satan got mad. Why? Because Satan knew that if they went to those places, they were going to turn the world what? Upside down. Every one of them got killed. They got boiled in oil. They were torn to pieces. They were hung upside down. They were stabbed to death. They were stoned. Okay? Why? Because they were a threat to Satan's kingdom. What am I saying to you? Do you realize the power you have that even when you speak, you can rebuke, you can rebuke Satan and his demons? Demons know it, but do you know it? The Bible says you believe there is God, good. Even the demons know it and they tremble. Why? 
Because when you mention that name, something has to change. That's what it boils down to. So, concluding thoughts. Go ahead, Dean York. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I had to piggyback on what um, uh, Reverend Tatum said about knowing the Word of God. So, how important it is that I must know the Word of God for myself because Satan always whispers half truth. He always does that. Yes, sir. Amen. You know, he's, he's, he's so good that he can manipulate your mind when things are just going so good. I mean, one day the water heater's gone out, and the next day the furnace is gone out. And, and you wonder, what am I doing wrong, um, you know, to, for all these things to happen? Well, it's just the devil. I believe it's the devil testing me, trying to make sure that I don't follow Christ because I know with him, with Christ, all things are possible. So he wanted to take my mind off mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. what God will do for me. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind now, at the end of the day, if, and, and let's give you some terminology that, as you think about this, God tests us with the intent to approve us and expose us for the areas for which we might be weak in that he wants us to know and wants us to improve on. Satan tempts us for the purpose of defeating us to then accuse us to make sure that God doesn't bless us. God tests, Satan tempts. Re remember, when, remember when Jesus got baptized? The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. That's what he does to us. He tempts us, but not to make us succeed but he wants us to have such a low self image of ourselves oh man I failed again I never get this right uh uh I'm gonna get this right all right it's a mind game remember now Joyce Myers did this book I want to say it's almost 20 years ago now 25 years the battlefield of the mind this is where your battle is and if Satan can win this he got you and that's why you got to fight the good fight it never ends, all right? And you got to balance your mind with scripture so that in the time of trouble, you got a refuge, all right? That's the homework assignment for this week, all right? Build that mind so that as you face battles, ultimately, you can win them knowing that the victory is already yours, all right? A anything else? Anybody else? All right, hey, we're looking forward to seeing you this Friday. I know I said to you that there's a funeral going on for Brother Anthony Dent. Uh, I don't know the time. It might be the time we do prayer service. It may start at 11, uh, but nonetheless, we will be here at noon uh, again to do our uh, prayer time. Um, so, again, we ask you to pray for the Dent family. I have no details. You can go look on the website. You can find out what's going on um, at this point. We're praying for them. Um, as they deal with that, uh, with his passing, we're praying for all of you. Pray for all of our families as we continue to do the work in the will of God. We will see you, Lord willing, on Friday. Be blessed.